Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all and equipping, especially for pastors or teachers working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm Spiritual Formation Coordinator for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Amanda Drury. Amanda's no stranger to the show. Uh, she is Professor of Practical Theology and Youth Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University, as well as the Director of the Imaginarium, which partners with churches for uh, innovative practices uh, for all ages. And she also happens to be my wife and the author of uh, numerous books, including uh, Trauma and Testimony, and her first book on the necessity of testimony for adolescent youth ministry formation. So, uh, yeah, she's uh, one of my favorite preachers, and I love having her on the show. And we are looking at Psalm 23, Psalm 23, classic psalm uh, for this, which is the fourth week of Eastertide. As you listen to the show, if you're enjoying it, uh, just click on the share button on your podcast player app of choice and pass this along to others so that they can enjoy it as well. And if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text. And you can become one of our patron saints. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Amanda. Shall we? All right, whenever you're ready, King James it up. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for being our shepherd. We give you thanks for sending your son Jesus as the good shepherd. And we ask in his name, that as we reflect on this uh, most famous of psalms, that you would guide us and lead us and feed us the way a shepherd does. So Lord, may we all be sheep in your sheepfold, and may all of us who are shepherds for someone else, as almost every believer is, Almost everybody is looked to for spiritual authority by somebody somewhere. May we also be trained up as bearers of the word and bearers of your spirit uh, by the words we study today. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So, hey, thanks for going King James. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I don't think I don't think I ever owned a King James growing up. Yeah, that's the version that I'm most familiar with. Yeah, me too. Same with Lord's Prayer. 
Yeah, you know, sure. like that's basically the the most famous version of Lord's Prayer in English. Is I think it pretty much just matches King James hmm. of Matthew. Hmm. Yeah, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Right. Yay, though I. Right, and the yay was the okay. Now we're really now we're really kicking it. Yeah. 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 So, what do you notice today? Obviously, familiar psalm, but what what strikes you today? So what what strikes me today is something that actually someone pointed out to me last month that I had just never seen before. And she was reading through this passage and came to this verse that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies Mm -hmm. and suggested that maybe that was not like a ha ha ha, I get to eat in front of you, but God preparing a table that you invite your enemies to. Yeah. And, um, I was struck by how much that changed the meaning of the text for me and and went from being a vindicating moment to this moment of mercy and openness. And I don't know, I've I've, I've been thinking about that multiple times since since she shared that. And it could play out. Both could work. It could be a moment of both. It could be retribution or reconciliation. Yeah, yeah. You don't know, because this is one of the delightful features of... The Psalms in particular and poetry in general is they don't actually tell a story, mm-hmm. though our narratively patterned minds fill in the story. Yeah. And I've definitely been filling that in and it just had not occurred yeah. to me that there was another way to see that. And, and, and strangely, like, I love that example because well, my guess is, because I know that you've been working on a, I don't know if we'll talk about it later or not, but I know you've been, you, you developed a a study tool and used Psalm 23 for it. And so right, I'm guessing this right. was like a teenager who, who had seen this, correct? No, or this no, was someone else. This okay. was someone else. Okay. Yeah. But that's a kind of insight even a, you know, a child could point out. Right. And it's so funny, like my first, like I spent a lot of my twenties unlearning certain <laughs> interpretations of text <laughs> sure. by the kind of, well, that's not what it really means approach. Yeah. Right? The kind yeah. of head direct. In the original. <laughs> right. So the kind of critical, yeah, right. Undermining those, which is fine. I mean, that was helpful, but also has its limits. It, it's very tactically limited. You know, it's only, it's kind of, it's this sort of centralized scholarly kind of hierarchy that kind of tends to control that way of approaching it. Sure. And then I've spent a lot of my 30s being just like having my mind blown by teenagers reading texts in <laughs> weird ways that yeah, I wouldn't have guessed yeah. that are just as plausible. Right. Because they're not. I mean, it's it's sad that they're less biblically literate, so to speak, than you and I were growing up. But they also are like often better readers of the scripture yeah, because they're not. Of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They yeah. don't have as many stories. I mean, they're still reading in too, mm-hmm. but they're reading in and they're reading in and filling in gaps that I that I just had been never had I had blinders on to see. Right. And they don't they don't bring the same assumptions. Right, and so like that's a different reading that doesn't sort of render the way I've always taken it, which is, yeah, God wins. My enemies are defeated. They're, right, they're, right. they're a footstool for my feet. I'll yeah. Psalm 10, 110, right. Which may in fact be the better reading in the end. I don't know, sure. but like the validity and possibility of an alternative reading sort of like loosens the grip of my default reading. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And anything I, that loosens the, the grip of a <laughs> default reading is hermeneutically helpful. It's helpful for interpretation to right. loosen the grip of a default reading, even if that other one is not 
the correct reading. Yeah. Right? And I think part of the reasons why it struck me, full confession here, is because when she stood up to say, I'm going to do a reflection on Psalm 23, I immediately went, oh, I know that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even from the start, assumed, I, I know, I know this chapter. And yeah, you know, it was humbling to realize, oh boy, I, I went there so quickly, just assumed I knew what this, this was, that I had the interpretation all within me. And it was just, it was a delightful moment. Yeah, so let's let's play with that then a little bit more. I've now I've used the phrase twice now, but I'm liking it. Loose, what was it? Loosen the grit of a default reading. Okay. Right. Yeah. So let's keep loosening that grip. Like the Lord is my shepherd. I even said it in my prayer. This gets connected to Jesus as our Lord, who is the good shepherd. It's almost become common sense. I mean, religious common sense, as it were, that the Lord is a shepherd. Mm-hmm. But like. At some point, this was a striking thought. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not when this psalm was written, but but at some point in the history of Israel, it's helpful for me at least. I've been reflecting a lot on how shepherd is sort of standard terminology for like a king or a ruler. Hmm. I, I mention that only because it feels like the shepherd, and it's connected to your comment about the table, and it feels like the shepherding imagery disappears after verse four. Have you ever kind of notice that about the psalm you know yeah yeah but if you if you think of if all the stuff in the back half you know in five and six fit the kind of feast of a king feast of a triumphant king Uh and if shepherd is king imagery actually you can kind of unite the first and second half of the psalm a little bit is this making sense sure yeah to actually see see it as lord is our king right we're not going to be in want Right, and to take all these as metaphors for the the kingship of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of Yahweh, I think is maybe part of what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I've I've always been struck too by the change of pronouns here: the he, 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 then the switch to you. Ooh, when does that happen? Uh, look at after that. verse three. So it's verse three. It's all about he, him, and then it switches to you in verse four. Switches to us, and then, yeah, right. Even though I walk, I fear no harm. Right. For you are with me. Yeah. And then it stays into you until the end of five. And then switches to the the third person again, correct? In six or not? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm -hmm. Although even there, it's not even direct referencing. Six feels like a kind of concluding statement. Hmm. Interesting. What's what's the significance of that? You think? Even just what's the significance of that for you today? As you as you pointed out. Well, that verse four is kind of scary. Hmm. And that that's when uh, I don't know. He clings to the personal pronoun. Then you know the the. So you're in the valley hmm. of the shadow, but you're with me. <laughs> for thou art with me. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I read from the New King James Version earlier when I read. This? Yeah. Whoops. I just realized because I didn't have the thou art when I read oh, it. That's all right. Or preparest. I said you prepare, not thou preparest. Do you want to do it again? I kind of do. Why don't you do. do it again and yeah. then we'll go on our break and My come back. My goodness. Okay. So 23, new, not new, old King James. This is James. the old King James Version. I don't know what that new King the James The OKJV. OKJV. Listeners, just for... for laughs so because that does seem like a strange mistake without the context (laughs) she's got this uh this four column four versions bible out 
So it goes King James, New King James, NIV, and NLT. Right. So. So I'm not totally crazy. Well, yeah, I was just saying like where that, okay. where that, where that came Psalm from. Psalm 23, so. Old King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's take a quick break and come back and explore it some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Amanda Drury, and we're looking at Psalm 23 uh, for the fourth Sunday in Eastertide. And so here's Psalm 23. We've heard it from an old and a new version of the King James in our first segment. Here's, a, here's Robert Alter's version, and maybe some of his translation choices will stir up some conversation. So let's see. Psalm 23, a David psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In grass meadows, he makes me lie down. By quiet waters, guides me. His life, excuse me, my life, he brings back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his name's sake. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadow, I fear no harm, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it is they that console me. You set out a table before me in the face of my foes. You moisten the head with oil. My cup overflows. Let but goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for many long days. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, so a few just translational notes. Uh, so right away, he, uh, I don't know, I'm struck by his choice to avoid the famous King James line, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. Um, he just said, I walk in the veil of death's shadow. Yeah. Veil, I mean, that's valley, just shorter. And so, I, I mean, I, I think I should read his footnote because sure. it's interesting. Go, yeah, Is that go okay? Ahead. Yeah. So, The intent of the translation here is not to avoid the virtually proverbial in the shadow of the valley of death, but rather to cut through the proliferation of syllables in the King James Version, however eloquent they may be, and to try to better approximate the compactness of the Hebrew. Here's what it sounds like in Hebrew. Begay Salamawat. So Begay Salamawet is not a lot of syllables to turn into valley of the shadow of death. Right. It's like three. Yeah. And, and read his again. He says the. In the veil of death's shadow. Okay. Just a little tighter. He's got a parallel when he says in the face of my foes instead of in the presence of my enemies. Right. Right. So this is a poetic judgment to try to tighten it and make because this is this this is a very I mean, Hebrew, you can never be as compact as Hebrew in, in English, but you can at least try to 
you know, allow the parallelism, you know, I mean, if you look at his translation here, the, the lines are almost equally lengthed, you know, yeah. that's his only one that goes a little further. Hmm. Um, but there's nothing longer about that line in Hebrew. It just, I mean, if you just look at it again, this is terrible for radio, but it just goes, bah, 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 you know, sure. um, it goes, that line does go longer. That's part of the problem is the line's already longer because it has a third line for you are with me. Hmm. Fun fact. That's the first time that you pointed. I'm, I'm noticing right now, as I say that that's the first time you have the switch to the second person from he to yeah. you yeah. is also the only time there's like a three lines rather hmm. than two. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly a shift happening in four in verse four there. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's really just kind of a Valley of shadows, right? But it has hmm. a, it has a, but the word has a, reference to the little is a little weird ending that might be referencing death. So it's this really, it's actually, actually harder to harder to translate than we would assume because it's become so famous. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't even think NIV has the guts to change it. Right. Doesn't through NIV the valley it? of the shadow of death. Does NLT? At least? NLT says through the dark valley of death. I don't like that. The first time I preached on this passage was during my second year of seminary. And I was oh. a chaplain at a nursing home and my <sighs> supervisor was out of town, was on vacation, and a resident died. And, you know, normally you just wait for the chaplain to come back in. But but she happened to have family in at that time when they wanted something like the next day. And so I was there. And so I was the one that was called. It was my first time doing a funeral. I remember Googling it. How uh, to do a how funeral. <laughs> I literally Googled how to do a funeral. Um, and then went through old notes from college and then called my dad. And when I was asking, you know, well, what do I, what passages of scripture do I use? He, he directed me here, which in some ways felt like cheating because that's, 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 what, that's what Hollywood always does. But I remember him pointing out to me mm. here in verse four that it's just a shadow of death, mm. that there's a temporality even to, to death here, that it doesn't, it doesn't discount the feelings of, you know, I'm in the shadow of death, but that, but that there is something more afterwards. That death doesn't have the last say, or this is a shadow of what is to come even. Oh, but I was nervous. <laughs> oh, I imagine. Yeah, we may want to come back to that some more now or later if you want. But, I mean, let's talk about shadow of death, can we? It's okay? Yeah. So, cell. Sorry, I'm going to do a little Hebrew. Do it. Sorry, we've just been, we've been in the Psalms for a while, so I'm like getting a little more confident. Or is it cocky? I don't know. So cell, cell just means shadow, and mawet means death. So it could be, but it, this isn't a normal word. So it could be like cell mawet, but it's one word, which is interesting. So it's like death valley, huh. you know, not death valley. Sorry, valley is the other word. Uh, death shadow or shadow death hmm. or. What did NLT do? I think they're they're onto something. The dark okay. valley of death. Dark valley of death. Okay, so they're breaking up the word. Uh huh. So you get the darkness of shadow, and they're turning that into an adject, uh, an a, an adjective, an adject. That's not a word. No, but you said it with confidence. So I thought, oh, there's a word I don't know. Yeah, well, alas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so shadow death or death shadow. So that's why he's doing death's shadow. The valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, it kind of works. Kind of works. It could just mean darkness, though, if the if you change the vowels. Remember how the vowels aren't yeah. original yeah. in Hebrew? So 
if you change the val- vowels, then it's darkness. Hmm. And then it would just be the valley of darkness, which could be a, just a poetic way of saying a dark valley. Hmm. Um, so there, it really is a, a tricky, a tricky one. Although the con- there's no error in the concept of what the King James is doing there. Valley of the shadow of death. And so I think that insight still stands. Huh. It's mostly just poetically. It's, I mean, it's, it's poetically beautiful It is on its own, but it's not a, it's rhythmically distracting because it makes it just a, a huge sentence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Two ofs in there. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's the, that's the main trouble, but yeah, it's just a shadow of death. So death, what's, what's the, what's the insight there? What's the, or what's the point? I hear the insight, but what's the payoff of that thought? Just a shadow of death doesn't completely overtake. The sun comes up again, kind of, right? Yeah, that it, that it doesn't have the last word, that, the, mm. that it's not all, it doesn't have as much power as perhaps we think it does. You're thinking something there. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that. <laughs> not sure you agree I, well, with your dad or you agree with, or you, no, you agree I've, with what I've gone back and said. forth on this because sometimes I, I worry that to speak of, oh, it's just a shadow of death, death somehow discounts the pain mm. that people experience. And, and I guess that's always the tension that I struggle with in preaching. That's true. Is the 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 pain of the now with the hope of the of the then. The hope of the then. The hope of the then. <laughs> <laughs> that's the title of the sermon. The hope of the then. <laughs> that's another mouthful. Yeah. So, well, let's let's keep going with verse four then. So, you're in the valley of shadow of death. <laughs> that's the the place. That's the where. Right. Yeah. And then the how you're feeling, what you're experiencing is a a liberation from fear. I don't have to fear. Right. And it's a great another example of the fear not. You know, well, you don't say fear not unless you're afraid, right? Yeah, so obviously yeah. you're tempted to be afraid, but I'll, you know. This this makes me think of our of our kids. So at least two out of our three children have a hard time sleeping, and when and they love it when we talk about this. <laughs> Good thing they don't listen. <laughs> And uh, with with both of them, if I promise them that I will stay awake until they fall asleep, that's always the need. thing that calms them down. I'm not turning on more lights. I'm not. It's it actually doesn't help. No, they just need to know they're not. Yeah, they'll be safe. And yeah. that's the last line then for you are with me. So I'm kind of like God is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an old preacher's trick, right? Where you have a story where you're the hero mm-hmm. and you just. You just try to think back to when you were a child, you know, like it's yeah, real easy because yeah, yeah. that, you know, surely one of your siblings was afraid of the dark. No, I don't. We stayed in bed a lot. Better <laughs> <laughs> back in, in my day, we're, we're just, just indulgent parents. We're just indulgent parents. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted the door open, though. Oh, I loved hearing my parents talk when it's I was going to sleep. you wanted to know they were yeah, there. Yeah, That's so, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so we just did a little exercise. So all y'all preachers out there, you know, if you're wanting to avoid making yourself the hero of a story, you know, you can just run that exercise. See if you can put yourself on the other side of it. Yeah. And you'll probably find one. So. Hmm. You know what stuck out to me? Um, yeah. Not too long ago reading this was thinking about David being a shepherd and how often was he there watching his sheep going, man, they've got the good life. <laughs> I mm-hmm. wish, I wish I could just be a sheep, uh, you know, just for a day. 
they don't have to worry about this. They don't have to care about that. They can just, they eat, they walk. I take care of everything else. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I have that with my kids sometimes where, oh, to be, you know, to be a kid for a day where you can just do X, Y, or Z and not have to this or that. I wonder if he had some of that longing himself when he was in the role of shepherd. Uh, I like that. That's a fun thought. How good they have it. Yeah, so I, the head with oil, sorry, I'm just going to do some word stuff here real quick. As long as you don't say moisten, like. His translation. Yeah, that. Okay, I know you hate that word. I hate that word. So then workshop it with me. So here's the reason why it needs to not be anoint. Okay. Because anoint is this pretty technical term. Mm -hmm. It's the verb that the noun form is the Messiah. Yeah. You know, and so it's like anointing in the sense of, you know anointing for a task or something like that. And it sure. is, this is just a different verb and it's the verb okay. for like taking a bath in oil, basically okay. like oiling you up. <laughs> Sorry, weird, but, but I agree. Moisten is a little gross. You cleanse, you cleanse my head with oil actually kind of works. Yeah. Protect. Cause it, it has protective elements, doesn't it? Perhaps. Yeah. You cleanse my head. You rub my head with oil. That's weird. That also sounds weird. I mean, you you think that, yeah, I mean, it's all luxury, right? Set a table. You could even just say pour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You pour oil on my head. I've got a cup overflowing. I mean, it could be even just like washing the hair, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like shampooing the hair. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making a stretch here, but that's the way you, that's the image. I'm trying to like clarify the imagery. Hmm. Is that a more of like going to the, so I know you don't like moisten and I'm fine with that. I don't like it either, but like, you know, like, so do you remember like the first time you ever like went to like a hair salon and then got, there was a hair salon in Doylestown that was known for their head shampoos. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the imagery here. Like getting like almost massaged. You comfort my head with oil. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not really talking about translation as much here as the imagery, right? Yeah. So it's this, every time I finish my cup of wine, it's being refilled mm-hmm. and I'm getting this head, I'm getting, you know, this, this, this head massage while I'm having my hair shampooed, you know, like that's the imagery yeah. of the second half of verse five. I just wanted to kind of, just cause anoint has this kind of, it's become a kind of quasi technical term. You know what I mean? That makes us and think it's, And of, it's a different Hebrew word? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's dishen. Okay. okay. Not, you know, mashak, right? So it's actually a different word. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah. Why I'm kind of camping on that a is, little bit? Is dishen used anywhere else? Well, I could do a word study. Well, right why don't you, you do want. a word study oh, okay. right Live word study Live on my phone? Study. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, da, 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 da. See how fast I can do it. Psalm 23 on, blue, on Bible Two, Hub. What's that? Three. I'm timing you. Four. Go. Keep going. Six, seven, eight, do, 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 do. nine, boom, ten. All right, Tell eleven uses. Okay, oh, you, right at second eleven. So Exodus twenty-seven. Okay, uh, it's used for cleaning ashes. Okay, again in Numbers four. So similar kind of so cleaning. Uh, Deuteronomy thirty-one. Um, it's used kind of metaphorically there for like. You know, they'll be satisfied and clean. Okay. You know, 
doing this on the fly. Psalm 20 is when God uh, receives a sacrifice. I'm going to have to look at that. That's strange. Um, Psalm 23 is this one. Proverbs 11 is, again, used as a metaphor for prosperity. Hmm. A man who's getting his head washed, right? Proverbs 31, again, you know, someone who's diligent will get their head. There's, the head isn't there, but anyway, it will be washed. Okay. Cleansed. Uh, prosper. Uh, satisfied. So it's like words for like fatten and prosper and even grease and oil. Literally, this is the only time in any standard translation when it's translated anoint is in huh. Psalm 23. Okay. So it's simply because of a the dominance of the King James Version yeah. kind of like, yeah. you know, but even the King James only does it here. And it's because it's this, in part because this Psalm has come to have such a, like King James doesn't even use anoint in any of these other versions. I have King James out here huh. in, the, okay. in my word study. Okay. So that was just a speedy, you know, but it's only 11 uses. So you can't make them, you know, who knows, yeah. but it's, it's possible that the, later messianic and Christological uses of Psalm 23 has potentially that the King James translators saw the oil, got excited, started thinking of David, you know, thinking of it as, as a David Psalm, yeah. he gets anointed as the King, yep. but it's just not that verb. So that's one. And like I said, from my twenties, the, well, actually <laughs> it doesn't say anoint, <laughs> but we just haven't found the perfect alternative word since you're uh, fundamentally poised to moisten since it's like your most hated word oh, of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And delicious. Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you cleanse my head with oil. You prepare my head with oil. Massage my head with oil. Massage my head with oil. It's not right either, but I just don't want to use anoint. I'm convinced. Yeah. I, I see that. Only because of how anoint has become to have you know, these kinds of royal meanings. But the point here isn't that the, the, sh- the sheep, the singer of the song is being anointed as a king. It's about God's being the king. Right. And us just being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. In which case feeding and bathing God. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. You bathe my head in oil. Yeah. I'm write it down. See if it works. You bathe my head in oil. Weird, but I like it. <laughs> you crossed the word out. You actually crossed out the word. I do word that all moisten. the time. Huh. Yeah. That's all in my translations if I don't like something. <laughs> I mean I you try to use like a color where I can still see it. Sure. I don't like I didn't scratch it out into like a black Sharpie. So you can still read it. I can still still read it. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Here with my guest, Amanda Drury, and we are looking at uh, the great Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Let's hear it one more time and then explore some sermon starters. All right. I'm going to read this from the NLT. In this chapter in particular, there is only one part of it that I like better in the NLT than the other versions. Interesting. So you can either guess it or I can just There's tell you one the that words. you do like? There, there's one line in here that I prefer to the other translations. Okay. The rest I can go without. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. 
He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Hmm. I don't know. I have everything I need. You like that? I do. Partly because... That's what shall not want means, but it doesn't... That would be a case where it just sounds like Bible speak. Yeah. And, um, and that's a euphemism for I don't, I don't have any wants. Yeah, yeah. And, and I sh- the I shall there makes it sound like a, um, almost like a, like a command, like a don't mm. do this. You know, don't have any wants. You uh, shall not. Like, it sounds like a commandment. Yeah. And, okay. and then it's more of a. Um, it's not what it means, but it's, it's, what it's it a shaking the at. finger at you as opposed to inviting you into something. And, and that's, that's probably where I would focus a sermon. Mm. As you know, what what if you had everything you needed? Especially in the modern world where our our wants far outstrip our needs. Mm-hmm. And when marketers do everything they can to get our to us to perceive our wants as needs, the language of having no wants is almost inconceivable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To a modern ear. It's almost yeah. like the there's a semantic problem with using this euphemism, this this idiom. You could say, do any of them, the versions you have out, have "I shall not be in want." Yes, that's the the NIV. Okay, so th- that's at least an improvement in, in insofar as that it's an English idiom for not needing things. Right, right, right. But it still sounds a little stiff. Yeah. Yeah. So say more about this sermon idea that you're pitching. I, I mean, that's the central idea. Let, let's explore that some more. That's a great entry point. Yeah, I mean, it's a great angle, a great winkle. <laughs> remember, remember that from when the show first started. Sorry, I'm no, reminiscing because this winkle? is literally. Yeah, we first piloted the show in the Easter, the seven weeks of Easter. You know, like four years ago now. But it was, what's your angle? Was this this phrase from Aaron Perry who helped start the show? Uh, was one of his preaching professors' lines? Okay, what's your angle? Okay, and just randomly like. I don't remember. One of us was like, oh, I wonder what that word is in German or something. And it was, it was Winkel, you know, Winkel. <laughs> and we just, it was like this dumb joke and it just stuck for a couple months. <laughs> it's what I used to ask at the beginning of the final segment, you know, yeah. what's your angle? I what's would not say the Winkle, except when, <laughs> except when Aaron was on. <laughs> Sorry, that was a total waste of time. Except for long time listeners who enjoy a little reminiscing. There but, you go. But I like this angle. And honestly, it could be a moment of, I mean, you wouldn't have to get all technical into the language, but it is a moment where reflection on translation differences can be, you know, there's a jumping off point there into, you know, who knows, maybe some of you grew up saying, I shall not want. Mm -hmm. And it can sound like, oh, Christians don't have wants, don't have desires. Well, what that means is I have everything I need, right? Yeah. Yeah. His grace is sufficient. He takes care of me. He's provided for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm still a dumb sheep who like sees a sees something over there and starts running at it. Right? I still have wants right. in the sense yeah. of I'm yeah. still I still have 
attractions and uh, affections drawing me in lots of different directions. Yeah, and that rod and that staff pull me back to this place where I have everything that I need. Yeah, you even can go through some of the pieces all from that phrase, right? Because what do I need? What are the basic needs? Okay, that that, that would be interesting to read through this and keep repeating that phrase. So, um, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I have everything everything I I need. He leads me beside the still waters. I have everything I need. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I have everything I need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. I will not fear evil. I have everything I need. You are with me. I have everything I need. And you can start breaking it down. I mean, this would be an exercise I would do. I'm not saying this would make for a very enjoyable sermon to listen to, but uh-huh. it's how I would get there. Okay. Is I would actually go through and break down and kind of conceptualize these needs and list them. Hmm. And maybe you and I might want to do at least start that a little in a moment here. Again, I think I would find a way to get there back into something. That could just be a passing comment. I'm not saying those would be like the points of the sermon. You mean like you would say, okay, what's, yeah. uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The, the need for rest? Yeah, sure. Like naming the needs? Yeah, rest. Okay. Quiet waters guides me. And in a way, those are parallel. So just leave those together. Yeah. My life he brings back. I mean, that's him. That's life, you know, breath, uh, soul, throat. We'll wait on that one for a moment. My life Although, brings back. What? What? Oh, that's he restores, he restores my, my soul, soul. But soul is not. It's my throat. Hmm. You know, which is the shorthand for my life. You know, soul is almost not really a helpful translation of the word. Yeah. Although water, quiet waters, that could be for drinking too. Rest. I'm just saying, like, I love how basic it gets. Yeah. When you say, um, you know, I need rest. Because that's actually food because you're a sheep. It's not rest. That's us. That's how we think of grass. <laughs> that's food. That's, yeah. that's food. Yeah, that's a good point. Verse I two lie is down food. In, I lie down in food. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, because you, s- you lay down and you eat. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's going on there. You what's don't lay that? down to eat, though, do you? Do sheep lay down to eat? Well, I mean, they would also relax, but they they definitely eat in gra- grassy meadows. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'd have to think about it a little bit, but I mean, you don't spend the night out there necessarily. You might, though, I suppose. Let's let's come back to that. Maybe it's rest. I'm just saying a grassy meadow is very much more of a resting place for a human. Right. I think we also would see that now. Now we just your sermon's awesome. I just figured it out. Okay. I shall not be in want. I've got, a, I've got, I've eaten so much grass that now I can lay down and enjoy my full belly. I think that's what's going on here. Huh. No? Yeah. And remember Mark six and it's parallels. Jesus makes them lay down in the grass and feeds them, right? Sit down, recline. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which you do yeah, eat yeah, reclining. Yeah. So yeah. the imagery, again, I'm not saying the verb here is not the verb for eating. And then it ends with, and, and all, everyone had everything that they wanted. So there's a, and, and it, that story starts with Jesus saying they're like sheep without a shepherd. And, so that, be, and before that, it, doesn't he call them the waters? That's the, that night. That night. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right after, okay. right after. Huh. What I'm saying though, is that whole. Yeah. yeah. No, no, excuse me. Before that, but quite a bit before that, okay. he calms the waters. He walks on the water the night. After. Got it. I wouldn't go there too quick, but what, what I, and I'm not trying, that's not exegesis of Psalm 23, but exegesis of Mark six is definitely 
it opens with him saying they were she- like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the shepherd in- imagery is woven yeah, all. Like that. That's why that I random like detail that. of having them sit down. Yeah. Oh, that's in, good. And there was much grass in that's the place. Good. Remember that's its own that's sentence. That's good. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. I'm not saying the sermon wouldn't have to go there if it didn't want. Oh, that's, that is a fun connection though. But my, my, my eye sees food, water, breath. Because mm-hmm. the throat has breath of life imagery. That's why it gets translated soul, meaning like, because in the West, we've come to say that death is when the quote soul leaves the body. So soul is shorthand for life, your life force, yourself. But you know what it looks like when someone dies? It looks like the breath goes out, right? right? And then what's wild is then justice becomes this, you know, this need, right? Huh. Yeah. yeah. Righteous pathways. Pathways of justice. Um, For his namesake. What do you make of that? Is this a Halloween your name type thing? That's how I took it, but I'd have to think about it. And since it's got the conjunction, those just go together as one line. And then safety is four, right? Right. So obviously the, the table then becomes, but even there, the table's not about, the table's not about food. The table's about reconciliation, you know, with my enemies. Need a bath. Anyway, I'm overdoing it, but you get the point. Again, yeah. I think that would be a dull sermon to just go by them one by one, mm-hmm. but it would be, a, it's a fun mental exercise that could then get you thinking, okay, how do we, what does it really look like to practice contentment? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. To actually become more aware that I have what I need. Right. Despite my sheep-like tendency to... Get distracted and, and, the, run and you off. can see you can see Jesus' compassion then too for sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, yeah. Because then you just chase this and that, right? Desire, or you get scared in the valley yeah. of the shadow of death. You become afraid of evil. Your waters are turbulent. Yeah, actually, turning them upside down is also a good exercise. It mm-hmm. could be a good yeah opening Eden, especially because it's such a familiar psalm. Rewrite the whole thing. Uh, you know, when the Lord is not my shepherd. Yeah. Right. I'm yes. always, I never have enough. Yeah. I don't have a shepherd. I do not rest in green meadows. I'm only by caught up in troubled waters. My soul's always on the brink. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going I'm, down this and that pathway, never knowing which way is right. I'm terrified of the dark valleys, afraid of evil. I am defenseless. Defenseless against enemies, no rod and no staff. No rod and no staff. I'm either running away and cowering from my enemies. Or watching them eat. Yes, or watching them eat. Yeah, or having to serve them at their table. (laughs) My cup is empty. Yep. My scalp is dry and cracked. (laughs) I mean, you even can see, but you see where the Uh, oil comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I know that's, but it hurts. I I have no hope. For the rest of my days. No hope that this will get better. And I have nowhere to stay. I have nowhere to stay. Oh, man. It's depressing. Well, that's a saying you'd start the sermon there. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> first not line. No, it's not depressing at all. But, I mean, it is. But, yeah, I guess it is. But I was thinking, like, as a setup, it's yeah, really powerful. It is. It is. Anything to render this word a little strange because it's so familiar, I think, would be. Th- this is a kind of psalm, if you were preaching on it, I think. There's a lot of scriptures that are familiar to us as like churchy people mm-hmm. that we get bored with and demonstrate our boredom with when we're like, hey guys, I know you've heard this before. And, I'm, and you look around, I sometimes I'll hear preachers say that and I'll look around and I'm like, 
This is from like one of the major prophets. Trust me, most of these people here have never heard right, this. Right, right. You have because you love this, but this is one that is really famous. Yeah, so I, this yeah. is a good one to right up there, John three sixteen. Yeah, to render it fresh by rendering it odd a little. Yeah, I think um, so. I think so. Again, I don't always push people to do that, but I think this is one where it fits. Yeah. Nothing against the major prophets. Love them. I'm just saying, like, they're not as widely known as Psalm 23. <laughs> uh, I might not like this, but let me just try. Pitch it. I am my shepherd. I'm Ooh. constantly looking for green meadows. I'm waiting for the streams to quiet down. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to... If you're going to kind of do a Lowry loop for listeners who are familiar with this concept of a, of a narrative sermon, which does not mean a sermon that tells stories or mm-hmm. a sermon that tells one long story. Yeah. It means it has a narrative tension and release. Right. And the suggestion is that there's an initial oops, something's a little off. Yeah. And then an ugh, it gets really bad. It gets worse. And then at the bottom, it bottoms out. And then you have an aha moment that yeah. brings you back. Yeah. And then that you develop that into some, I don't remember the last two in his little sequence because no one does. Monroe's uh, motivated sequence. I like that better. It's clear. Not that I words? remember them now. Uh, but no, um, I want to look it up now. Well, I mean, bad. I'm going to look it up here. Worse. Yeah, you look it up. Well, I, I introduced that. So can I make my point? Like yeah, look it yeah, up yeah, and then yeah. we can come back to that. So I wonder if you could do our first version where we said, kind of introduce what it's like to have no shepherd uh-huh, and then uh, a kind uh-huh. of bad solution of, well, okay, yeah. then I'll be my own shepherd. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of the modern solution. I'll shepherd myself. Yeah. Right. I'm always trying to save myself. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I know what's right and what's wrong. I don't think about death because once I'm gone, I'm not there to worry about, you know, um, I refuse all rods and staff. You know, that's good. I um, like that. I console myself through my own choices. Yeah. My table has no friends or enemies. It's my table. Whoever's there is whoever I choose to be there. And they're my, if they're there, they're my friends. If they're not, they're my enemies. It's my table. Yeah. There's none of this, you know, I wash my own dang hair. And my, cause <laughs> I got to admit, I mean, I didn't get my hair washed out of like a salon until I was in my like twenties. And it was a little weird at first because you really do have to kind of submit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I fill my own cup. I dwell in my house, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like in terms of like the second step into a deeper problem is a kind of, sometimes the best way to get there in a sermon is present a kind of false solution. Right. I, um, I like that. You start off with the, I would probably even start off with the Jesus talking about people like sheep without shepherds mm-hmm. and then playing that out, what that would look like. Yeah. Okay. Monroe's, Monroe's motivated sequence here. It's, I mean, it's not exciting, but I I think that it's clearer. And there's another reason I like, I'll tell you in a minute, but five steps, grab attention to find the need, satisfy the need, visualize the solution, call to action. Uh, I think one of the dangers. One more time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grab attention, grab attention, define the need, define the need. Satisfy the need. Okay. Visualize the solution. That's number four. Visualize the mm-hmm. solution. And number okay. five, call to action. And there's a few reasons why I like this. I like that um, sometimes I like more the need language than problem language. Because yes. sometimes we don't always have – the problem isn't always clear, but you can identify a need. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. sometimes with Lowry, you can have more ug than ah. Mm-hmm. You can really problematize 
the text without having a specific or, or a more intentional joy, joyful release. I love that this one has the visualize the solution. There's a, there's That's a, a vision very casting clear, cause here. I didn't have a, yeah, you, you satisfy the need, you, you know, you explain it, but then you, you cast the vision for what this could look like yeah. and then the call to action. Well, and from, from the kind of uh, Wesleyan preaching tradition that you and I come from, we would want to reverse engineer from the call to action back anyway. Like that's got a <laughs> night, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's another problem is, is if you do a kind of narrative tension release kind of sermon, the standard and legitimate critique is that you have all the cleverness is on the front end with the problem. Although that can actually be quite easily solved by inferring the problem from the solution, you know what I mean? Which is sure. what we're doing here with Psalm 23. We're actually, this is visualizing the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you kind of can start with that beautiful image and then just work back because that's part of the attention grabbing sermons don't always grab the attention when they're like, Hey, look at this cool stuff in this Bible passage that I love, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that can work for some audiences. You know, I should say there's always people in your audience who are going to love that. They're like, why are you wasting my time trying to get my attention? You already have my attention. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm here with my mouth wide open to receive whatever, you know, food you want to serve to me. Yeah. But, uh, that's usually a pretty small minority of a, of a congregation. So I like this sermon. Yeah. There's something coming together here. What are your basic needs? I really love the thought of part of what I need is to be led on a path of justice for his name's sake. Mm. That just kind of excites me to think of that as a need. Yeah. Yeah. That's not for him. That's for me. He's just enough. (laughs) He has enough justice and righteousness for himself. Hmm. Um, this is for me because ultimately that justice is what's best for me, you know? Yeah. Well, this was lovely. I had a lovely time. I Thanks, had a Amanda. Lovely time. Thanks, John. I always like, uh, geeking out, but more so, uh, dreaming up sermon ideas. Uh, hope all you listeners out there, uh, had a good time, uh, reflecting on Psalm 23 with us today. Thanks, uh, especially to, uh, Todd and Eric for all their production work. Can't imagine doing this show without you guys. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. Thanks to our uh, supporters. Uh, we call them patron saints. If you'd like to become a patron saint, go to patreon.com slash fresh text and find out ways you can support the show. And lastly, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>